This is a Stand Up New York Labs production, providing you podcasts since 2013. This week's episode of X-Ray is sponsored by Dinder, a new dating app for fresh-on-the-market divorcees. If you're recently separated, divorced, or just planning your exit strategy and need to fill the terrifying void that has surfaced now that your marriage has disintegrated, then Dinder is for you. Dinder provides you with all your new dating needs, matching you with other divorcees that are as hungry to have sex with as many new humans as physically possible as you are, to those that just want to spend an entire date bitching about their exes or giving you endless details about their custody schedules. It even has something for those that are now so terrified of dying alone they just want to get married again with whoever the fuck is willing. I've checked out Dinder and found some nifty features, including ratings from ex-wives and a child bitterness probability chart, which outlines the odds this person's kids will hate you and for how long. Put in promo code X-Ray to receive a free session with a Serbian hacker who can send photos of you copulating with your Dinder date to your ex's email address from his boss's account. That's Dinder.com. Let's start the show. Uh, now, I won't be taking phone calls. Please to, to don't. Right? Yeah, and, that'd be great. Uh, I should probably even just, like, turn it off and commit. We'd like I you to be fully focused on I me. I don't turn it off during my TV show. You don't? No. So, Are you on Tinder on your TV? I am, uh, it's down there beside me on top of the Kleenex box. Okay. Uh, just cut harvesting Twitter stuff. Oh, I oh, those delightful. I just turned off my phone. Okay, okay? that's great. I'm getting aroused just looking I at you turn it off. I can prove that it's off. Yeah, I'm looking and at it. And this is, this is my version of commitment. Uh, <laughs> I am excited to have you here. I am here. Um, can I call you Larry? Or is no, that, okay, sorry. No. I am here with Lawrence O'Donnell. Are you a second or a third? Are you I'm like a, sort of senior or junior? I, I got cursed with the junior. What the fuck? It was, I mean, it, it's I can't Pretentiousness you, so, of that is so, unbelievable. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. But you don't have I, to put it in there. I hate it, and I hate my first name. And so, and, and I am the fourth. Do you have a middle fourth, name? I do. What is it? Francis. Oh, good. I'm sorry. So it's a gender neutral name. You know, but yeah. it's with an I, or he's a man with an I, and the women with men, an I. Men, men is an I. And the reason I know that yeah, mm-hmm. is that my grandmother in Boston used to say my mother's name, Frances, oh, so clearly that you could hear the E right. in That's the final diction, syllable. Oh, yeah. I learned how to spell the boy and the girl version of Frances by hearing right. my grandmother's enunciation of that. And what is e. like, if it's a, it's a gender fluid, Frances has like an umlaut or an O, like what do they do with that? Um, you are extremely snazzly dressed, by I the am. way. I just yeah. want to explain it's your outfit. You have a beautiful jacket with like a red buttonhole, which is edgy. Do they edgy. let you go on the air with that? I have not been on TV, I don't think, with this particular I jacket. I think you got to wear it. No. Well, this is kind of a... Is this your you, podcast jacket? This is a, a very utilitarian garment. I think it's rubber. I, it's not... Okay. It's, if you touch it... It's got it, some a neoprene it, in it. Neoprene. Nothing from nature is in this thing, well, okay? Good. I it's, can smell the napalm. It's to resist any of the elements out there that I might encounter in the world. Do you... Now, you are a host. You have your own show on MSNBC, uh, Last Word, right? Last Word with Lawrence O'Donnell? The, the, you, that's the full title, The Last Word with Lawrence um, Now, obviously, you are a, um, a liberal progressive. Don't stop there. Okay. You're also socialist. a, a socialist. Okay. Yeah. So Don't let me stop. ask you a question. Well, you know what? Here's okay. the thing. Okay, please. I came here under the understanding that you would be asking me questions. Right. So you really never have to say, while we're sitting here, yeah. let me ask you a question. Sometimes. By I, the way, that's a particular thing of mine. Is that a pet peeve? It, 
Because I'm feeling all pet peevey with you. It's not a peeve. It's just filler, Lawrence. It's, it's filler. It's I like know, an um. But I Some see people it, um, and I, this but is I not see filler. It, I see it uh, in, in talk interview shows all the time. Okay. Uh, let me ask you a question. I think, well, what else were you going to do? Okay. Were you going to bring out food? You know were what you it is, gonna, Lawrence? I'm trying to interject because I feel like I can't even get, you know, I'm trying to get the question in. Well, you know what that's about. It's you talking. Yes. Okay. It's about me fearing Fearing what, the question. What you might ask okay. me. So I am trying to When was the last time you had sex? Control. Is that a good is that a good question? That's to jump the into? kind of thing I'm okay. fearing. Okay. That's exactly okay. and, right, and, and you'd I, you'd have to define sex. Uh, well, okay. Well that's true because I self stimulate a lot. So I don't know. Let, let, we'll talk about a bunch of stuff and you can shut me up which you are doing already. We, we won't be talking about that. We won't be talking about sex? Okay. okay. I ha- I have a private life. I have to have You want to keep it private. Life. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm a very private person. Can I reveal one thing? I am slightly um, personally obsessed with Kerry Washington. That's all I want to say. I know it's part of your history. I think she's the most gorgeous thing on the planet, and that's it. I'm just not going to ask you about it. So we, we agree on everything you've said so far. Right. About those lips, those pillow. I just want to nestle in her lips mm-hmm. till the end of time. Okay. Um, and you are so you are not only a um, a pun, is it a pundit or is a pundit derogatory? Because you're a pundit too, right? You're a host. I'll, are you a pundit? I'll, I'll take pundit. Yeah, okay. Sure. Right. Because yeah. pundit. Because I can't tell if pundits are just people that are taught. Because now nowadays. News media is flooded with, with pundits that aren't necessarily knowledgeable in what they're saying, right? So it has become I, kind you know, of I think the word pundit um, was invented when people realized the word expert doesn't apply anymore. So there was a time when you could turn on, say, the PBS NewsHour. Okay. And the person they would have on talking about the economy is an expert. Is an actual economist. Economist. Yeah. With a PhD. Fulbright scholar. That sort of thing, right? Right. And then they started, you know, then TV, not not the PBS NewsHour, which is still our finest. Is that Lair? McNeil Lair? Lair? That was uh, used to be called back in the day? Some of those people are dead. I'm sorry. um, I watched it when I was a kid. It's actually Judy Woodruff now. Oh, okay. And, and okay. She's, she sounds and, fun. And she's great. And she's an inher- Any relation to Bob Woodruff? Uh, no, I do not think so. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Fair enough. Um, but, but, you know, once they started talking to the economy, talking about the economy right. or health care or taxation with people who were not experts about it, uh, we decided, I think collectively and wisely as a society, let's downgrade the label for those people Please. to this thing called pundit, which is a, which suggests someone who's there to just opine about, about almost anything with much less authority than an right. actual as long, If you're ranting, you sound like you, you know what you're talking about, yeah. right? That's kind of the technique these yeah. days. Yeah, and so I am both an expert and a pundit. There are things that I'm expert in, okay. and, and there are things that I'm punditing in. Okay, okay. Which do you enjoy more, experting or oh, punditing? Oh, expert, but but there's no ratings in the expertise. Okay. You know, okay. like I, I, am, I would qualify as an expert on taxation. Right. Oh, interesting. Now, how often do you hear me talk about taxation on my well, TV show? Well, hopefully not that often. Just about never. I'm not an expert in presidential campaign politics. I am not. There are people who've actually run presidential campaigns. Right, right. I would call them experts uh, because they've run presidential campaigns. They know the ins and outs. I've never worked on a presidential campaign, which is true of 99% of the people you hear talking about, about presidential yeah, campaigns on yeah. TV. I know, I know. It would be as if you had someone in here to talk about sex or dating who's never had sex or a date. Right. 
Or exactly. I mean, I'm a sex expert because I. And that's not I, who you have in here, right? No, now. I don't. And yep. we're not talking about that. <laughs> you know, I can talk about the thousands of people I've slept with, and that's why it makes me a sex expert. You Take know what I mean? Take your time. I I'm prepared to listen well, to the entire. But no, list. it's all about you now. But and my, your favorite of the thousands? Oh, do you well, have a favorite? I don't rank. You know, I'm a lover. No, that's good. No, yeah. I don't. I can't yeah. remember to be honest. The only yeah. reason I don't rank yeah. is really because like, it's a yeah. blur. One thing I'm frustrated with, and I'll be honest with you, Lawrence. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you. Is that another pet peeve? It shouldn't be necessary. Oh, fuck me. What, I let me ask even. you this. Oh, boy. What have okay. you been up to now? I mean, is this the moment where you become honest? Can, no, no, okay. it's not. No, it's not. It's just, it's adding dramatic flair. Oh, okay. okay. It's again, it's not even, it's, it's one grade up a filler. It's one grade above, can I ask you a question? It's like, let me be honest with you, sweetheart. You know what I mean? It's that, just, it's that. that if I, I like had sweetheart, that version better. Okay, that, so it's that, more flippant. It's more that, nonchalant. That one's better. I like that Let one. me be honest with you, sweetheart. Yeah. I, I voted for Donnie. Okay, I'm going to mm-hmm. be honest with you. I voted for Donnie. People I, did. I talked about it with other people. Um, he tapped into, you know, certain people are more, cere- I think what people understand is certain people are more cerebral. Certain people work more from the heart, right? That thing that we're on a spectrum. And I worked from, from my emotional core, from my limbic system. I was in a state of fear. I was in a state of confusion. My heart was torn. And so I went for that choice that kind of resonated with me emotionally. Now, as I become as I become wiser and I've kind of reached into more of my frontal cortex, I've done some research, I've done mm-hmm. some neuroscience stuff, then I realize the error of my way, so to speak. My question to you is, how do we change minds? Is that even humanly possible? Or can we only change hearts? Or is even that, because it seems like it's easier to change hearts than it is to change minds, don't you think? Oh, that's interesting. Um, I think it's easier to reach hearts than it is to reach minds. So there are anti-Semites in America. Yeah, sadly, I know. Who, who, at this moment, feel somewhat badly, or very badly, about what happened at the synagogue in Pittsburgh. Do you Pittsburgh. think so? Absolutely. Because remember, there are degrees of anti-Semitism. Right. Now, the guy, the anti-Semite who went in there right. with his assault rifle and his handguns does not feel bad about it yet, but he might. I mean, if he doesn't get the death penalty and if he lives long enough, he could have a change of heart about this over time. Mm-hmm. Hearts are changeable by emotional experiences and emotional shocks. Well, connection. Like assassinations. There were people who hated uh, President Kennedy and when he was assassinated, cried their eyes out. Right, um, right. And then there were people, by the way, who hated President Kennedy, and when he was assassinated, they were very happy. Right. So there's a whole range yeah, of there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but the hardest thing to do uh, would be to get someone to change their minds uh, about the way they see the national debt, for example, because that's an intellectual exercise. And the people who don't see that accurately, generally speaking, are academically incapable of seeing it that way. Well, I think that seeing it accurately. If you have people, Just the way, by the way, right. I am academically incapable of understanding the second sentence about physics or microbiology mm-hmm. or neurology, right? Uh, it, you know, we live in this country now where it is it is so wrong to say in it that there are varying degrees of intelligence uh, in human beings and varying levels of aptitude. It's a complete lie. Of course there are varying levels of aptitude. And and so, um, uh, uh, you know, trying to uh, turn me right. into a mathematician is, I can tell you, impossible because I do not have the intellectual ability to do that. And, and to pretend that everyone has the intellectual ability to understand 
which politician is saying the smartest thing about taxation is ridiculous. Well, I think though, but I think what I'm what I'm trying to say is that I think you know you have Fox and you have you have all these outlets, right? Um, people are tuning in just to validate their own opinions or kind of hear what they already believe in and. How do you get you? And it's not your job to get to unify. That's the leader's job, right? And obviously, that you know, Donnie's doing the exact opposite of that. And sadly, what I think is that Donnie's misunderstood. Now, I'm not defending Donnie, but Donnie's like one of my kids. You know what I mean? When you, I have one kid who I consider a narcissist. It happens, and he feels unloved. He's got a lot of anger in him and insecurity, and he needs more love. And anytime I scold him, he gets angrier and acts out. And we're dealing with a man that I think we could change his heart and mind if we just gave him a lot of love. All these people that he secretly wants to be accepted by came to him and said, Donnie, I know you're trying hard, but you're a little misguided, but you're blah, blah, and give him some, feed him some compliments, feed his ego. He just wants to be loved. I really feel it's all coming from, from that gaping hole in his soul. So I am um, a less eager interviewer than you are. So here's something I normally don't have an answer to. If somebody said to me, who would you really love to interview? You know, and in, in right. most, I, I, I don't care. I don't know. You don't care. So okay. here's who I most would most like. I now have an answer to who I would most like to interview in the world, and they're both dead. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they are the mother and father of Donald Trump. Right. What did you, you do? do? Yeah. And I would yeah. sit each one of them there separately for an hour. Absolutely. What did you do? And I would, and they would evade, and I would do nothing but close in on that. And I think I would close in. Probably, I don't know. I was going to say more strongly on the mother than the father, but I'm not so sure about that. So there's wonderful new research out uh, by Nina Burley in a book that she's just written about the Trump women. I forget the title. Trump women. It might even be Trump women. Mm -hmm. And she explains as how when Donald Trump was two years old, he lost his mother for almost a year because she she was hospitalized for almost a year. So he, he, no contact, none. And that's a crucial moment as you may have heard. I'm sure you have. I'm a mother of, you know, between 14 and 34 kids. I know. Yeah, but I'm sure you haven't read a single child development book, right? You, no, I've, re- I've read a bunch. Okay, I read Spock. Right. I read yeah, the sleep, right. sleep studies so, and shit. Yeah. So it's in there. We know yeah, yeah. this is a wicked important moment in oh, the kid's life. Oh, there's that Boston in there. It's like so, that. It's wicked important that yeah. your mother is home. Your mother's got to be home. Your mother's right, got to be around right. when you're two years old. Right, You know, right. she can have a job, yes. but I got to see her. Yes. You know? And, and so... Uh, that I think, uh, you know, cause he's got obviously a very, very sick, uh, attitude toward women. He's got a sick attitude toward everything. Well, he's just damaged. He's got a deeply perverse attitude toward truth, toward everything. Right. 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 Um, and so his father made th- those people made him feel desperately inadequate. And he has lived the life of a, of a cravenly dis- inadequate feeling man his entire life. Right. And, and, and Which it, I feel compassion for. I don't. Okay. I don't. I think because um, I had damaged childhood and seen how it's fucked up my life. I'd feel compassion for her uh, if he was a taxi driver who never right. uh, rip, okay. ripped off the customers. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. But fair he's enough. not. He's a, he's a he's a uh, a a you know a, a taxi robber. You know, so it's, it's, I'm just trying to tackle how we tackle the problem, and I feel like the more everybody's speaking truth to power, it's just driving him more to, into rebellion. And I'm like, how do we curb? You know what I mean? How do we curb these urges? No, you. you do we talk to Melania and say, why don't you get in, like an intervention? Melania is as poisonous a creature as you the, think uh, so. I guess you, I can't when tell because I'm when so you, mesmerized when you, by her. When you marry poison, who do you think marries poison? Right. Do you think good, healthy, decent? 
people, intelligent people, marry publicly demonstrated poison. I mean, this That's is a this one. is a, a man. One, this is a man whose vicious divorces right. had been on, all been on the front page of the New York Post for and weeks. She's like, sounds great to each me. Each time she says, "Okay, I want to be next. I want to be in." Okay? Yeah, uh, and that means her love of money is identical to Donald Trump's love of right. money. Well, she does have and, a knack for fashion. I have to give her that. Uh, she does. You know what she I mean? Does. She's yeah. She's, we'll give her that. Yeah. Let's yeah. Gi- let's give her that. Yeah. Well, I, I'm more of a comfort. I choose comfort over, you know, fashion statements. I noticed that. <laughs> right away. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm, I'm wearing spandex now. I'm not mm-hmm. wearing rubber like you mm-hmm. are, um, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm wearing spandex and just comfortable fabrics and textiles, uh, all, you know, organically grown, farm to table, you know, sustainable you're, so harvesting. So you're, you're prepared to go out of the house without Spanx, for example. Oh, I don't do Spanx. Which I would never do. Do you wear, is there a I have, Spanx? I have, I have like triple Spanx on right now. Oh, that's great. Well, I can yeah. see it look pretty snug. Don't, look, don't touch any of this. Oh, don't, please. I don't want to have a, a Me Too no, there, moment there, with you. No, there are, there are boy Spanx. Uh, are there, there boys? There sp- are, yes. Well, and, I've been trying to have kids in the future, right? Doesn't that kind of and, uh, restrain the sack a little uh, bit? You know, because I'm in show business, I know these things. Right. And, well, and, yeah. and so... <laughs> And I remember um, at at the there's a Spanx store, an actual there's Spanx a whole, store, like a retail, like a brick and mortar Spanx. In, in, in of all places, oh yeah, there is. In of all Michigan. places, you would think, and there might be, or it's in the airport in Washington D.C. Okay, in oh in Washington National Airport, they have a Spanx store. Yeah, and you would expect right it, by Hudson News. You'd expect it to be in LAX, right? You'd expect it to be in Los no, Angeles I guess they, they're all come or, prepared. or Vegas, right? They come. You know prepared. what I mean? The DC people are like, yeah. my ass is hanging and out. And so I wanted to go into the Spanx store desperately. I wanted to go in there to see the boys section. Like, what do okay. they have for me? Okay. And they and they told me, well, we they didn't have any any boys stuff on display, but they do have it they do online. Have, did you see any? Did you see any you liked? Or was there designs? Uh, they they said it's online, and apparently. It looks just like regular t-shirts and stuff. And oh, it's not the bottoms. It's the tops and stuff to keep you like your top part I don't know cons- about, I don't constrained. Know. Okay, whatever. Let, let's move on. What was it like working with uh, with Aaron Sorkin? It was great. It was great. He Was is, he all fired up on coke at that point? Or was he like he, sober? Uh, you know, here's... So I have... Uh, should I tell you my darkest secret? Please do. I have never been drunk in my life. Wow. I have never had a drink in my life. And I have never done drugs in my life. Right? Did you come from a family of alcoholics? Is that yeah, why? Okay. Sure. I mean, the name's O'Donnell. So yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So now, yeah, interestingly, you Irish guys with the hollow interestingly, legs. not in my immediately immediate family. Right. You know, but my father. Uh, you know, I had I had uncles, and you know, it was all over the place. Were you, you know? afraid that you had a propensity towards the addiction, and that's why you no, didn't do it? I wasn't. It was different. My father was. My father was never drunk in his life either. Okay. My mother wasn't either. So the model existed for me. That okay. you can live a life and never drink. Right, right, right. So what happened was every boy in my Dorchester neighborhood by the time I was 10 <laughs> was totally fucking shit-faced every Friday and Saturday night. Every one of them. By the time I was 12, I hadn't done that. I was already I was already like a fucking museum exhibit. Lawrence has never been drunk. You think you're better than us, Lawrence? Lawrence has never been shit-faced. What the fuck? Right, And right. Here, here was why. I wanted to join the fun. Okay. And they gave me a beer when I was nine or ten. Was it I, really nine or ten? Oh yeah, absolutely. I was about eight, but go ahead. Absolutely, yeah, totally. Yeah, you want to start young? Totally fall down puking shit face every Friday That's and Saturday night. Attractive. At, and by the way, what's remarkable about it is. 90% of those guys did not become alcoholics. That's the that's right. the that's the remarkable part. Well, I think all of Ireland is full of high functioning alcoholics, right? You know, there's there's actually a higher 
alcoholism rate in France than there is in ours. Yeah. So I took that beer, which looked wicked great. It was mm-hmm. it was cold. It was like what a, kind of beer? Is that a bud? I, it would have been bud in those days. Okay. Could have been Narragansett. You know, whatever the cheapest All right. shit. I never touched Narragansett. Okay. And uh, it looked beautiful. You know, the bottle is glistening and it's hot out. And I'm I, getting aroused just here. Right. Go ahead. And I grab it and I and I do that. And, I, then, and it's the worst taste I've ever had in my mouth. This tastes like a fucking bodily fluid. I can't fucking believe anybody drinks this shit. You I, do that very well, by the way. It's my native tongue. And so... Uh, do you ever bust that out on the show? Once in a great while. That's once fun. In a very you should do that while. more often. It's when like a party it's a, trick. When it's a Boston story, uh, oh. once in a while. And uh, <laughs> and so um, the uh, I hated the taste. I hated the the taste. It was just as simple as that. And I'm a very cold logician, as you've probably concluded. Mm-hmm. And my brain just says, if you hate the taste, you don't put it in your mouth. That's, I, so that's my I'm gonna life. Make, I'm not going to make a vulgar reference. It's a life recommendation. Some things if have to be acquired. If you do not like the taste, you do don't not put, put it in, it in your, your mouth. mouth. Okay, okay. okay. So, uh, so I didn't drink because I, I couldn't stand it. And then the game in Dorchester became trying to find a drink that Lawrence could drink. And so to hit, t- try a fucking screwdriver because you can't taste the vodka in this. And I would take the screwdriver. And you try, and you're like, and the, I don't And like all it. I could taste was the vodka. And I hated it. And That's I couldn't, amazing. I couldn't have rum raisin and ice cream. I hated the shit. Okay, so. Well, rum raisin is a weird flavor. I'm glad that kind of went out of circulation. So then I developed, then by the time I'm like 13, right, I think, ah, there's a strategy in this. This will be great. This will be great with the girls. Because I'll be the one right. and the only one responsible who's not puking. Right, right, okay? right. Nothing every, like dating a guy. Every puking. other guy here, you He's are going to get. You are going to get at least the taste of puke okay. when you kiss All him. Right. You know what? Okay, Lauren, yeah. every other okay. guy here. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good bar to hold. You know, you're you're going to kiss me. You're not going to taste puke. I mean, if that's appealing, <laughs> it's a fun dating scene in, in Dorchester. Let me tell you. You know, I have a high tolerance for grossness. And but I you've mean, taken me over I the mean, edge you here. know, puke residue. It's not like the okay. guy. Okay, no more this puke second, talk. Okay. Right? I, I can't take it. I, I want to move on. Let me ask you a question. Fuck me. <laughs> okay. I'm going to take a breath. I am in your head. Just to be honest, I, I, am, I am in your head. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. <laughs> it's what you're here do to you, do. When you're doing your MSNBC show, you wish you could reach a side on the other, you know, like people that don't agree with you politically. Do you, do you yearn to reach them too, or you don't give a fuck? I'd love to reach them, but there isn't really a method for it. Now, the way I've heard it happens is I've had people tell me, you know, my husband, who's a Republican, was forced to watch you because I'm a liberal and I right. and I watch. And after about six months, he said he started to say, "Well, you know, he's got a point about that, and he's got a point about that." So there are some people out there who, because of their relationship with someone else, uh, end up watching this stuff, mm-hmm. and it can have an impact. And so uh, it's very marginal. So you're not bothered by the feeling of that you're like preaching to the choir, so to speak. I mean, this preaching to the choir is a phrase that people use uh, to denigrate what's happening. And what I would like to ask them is, who would you like the preacher to preach to? If not the when choir. the preacher stands up mm-hmm. in the church or the synagogue, who would you like the he or she cannot preach to the people out in the sidewalk. They can't hear. Well, what did Jesus do? Didn't he preach out to people on the sidewalk and get people he, that were, I mean, he Jesus took all could, the Jews away. G- Jesus could not be heard beyond the sound of his voice, right? So you had to collect to hear him. Right. So there's a voluntary choice made by every audience everywhere at every single moment. 
You know, I mean, it's our, interesting, our, but gangster, it's like yeah. our gangster movies preaching to the choir who like gangster movies. Yes, you could say that in mm-hmm. a way. Audiences collect around what they are interested in hearing. And now, I, and I would also say that what we do at MSNBC, what Rachel Maddow and I are doing. I like Rachel. She's I love fun. Rachel. She I is love fun. Rachel she's so bright, too. My, oh, she's, she's super educated. She's super she's fucking brilliant. bright. She's brilliant. Isn't she married to a poet or something? She's not. I, I don't. Sculptor? She's, she's, uh, she's, uh, she has a private life. Okay. And uh, Wikipedia that shit in two minutes. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. It's, it's there somewhere. Yeah, all right. Um, she's so, I love her so much. I could go on and on about about. I just want to have dinner with her. I'd make it. It's not available. She works nights. She works. Okay, well, I think. And she's the hardest working person I know in the world. She looks like that. In the world. I mean, she does look like she has an amazing work ethic. I think that, I think I'm going back to the point here of trying to get people that are maybe misguided or undecided, right? Those are the people that you got to tackle. Yeah, the undecided don't consume this stuff, okay? We know a lot through polling about the undecided. And it used to be a pretty harmless thing the undecided and the non-voter used to be a harmless mm-hmm. used well. to be a harmless group in the following way what we used to know about the non-voter and the age of trump has skewed all of this but what we used to know about them when we when we would get you know 50% turnout for a presidential election is it was a very good representative sample of the whole country. Remember when we do polls and we tell you that so and so is at 52 and the other right, ones at right. 48 and it's a national poll of the whole country. We've only talked to 1,800 people. people. Yeah, right? I know. It's ridiculous. I think polls so, are ridiculous. 1,800. Yeah. But they're pretty accurate. Are they? Yes, they are. They are accurate within a margin of error, and this is better than my margin of mm-hmm. error on anything, of you know three points. So if we say to you, the way to hear those numbers is, if we say to you, you know, Joe is at 52. It means he could be 55 or he could be 49. Right. Good math. He's right here. He's in this space right Mm -hmm. here. It's not like when the doctor takes your temperature and says it's 98.6. It's like the doctor taking your temperature and saying it's between 96 and 100. Those doctors don't take insurance. You know, if Mm -hmm. the the ones who, yeah, those doctors. And so uh, it's like that. And so it's never claimed to be a precise number, but the media insists on reporting the number that's right in the middle of the margin of error. That's the number they choose to Mm -hmm. report, okay? Mm -hmm. So so when you remember the margin of error, the the publicly declared margin of error on polls, they are incredibly accurate of a a voting population of hundreds of millions of people. That's amazing. Just by talking to 1,800. They are shockingly accurate and on election day we then send we, we take our sample from you know uh, less than a fraction of one percent of the people and we send 50 percent of the people that turns out to be a much more representative poll and in the past what what all the studies showed is on most elections instead of 50 percent of the people if a hundred percent showed up you'd get the same result Right. You know, so now it's skewed, okay, because there's all sorts of weird energy in the electorate. So there's much more energy in this kind of crazy zone here. And so they become overrepresented in the in the outcome of the vote and the final count mm-hmm. of the vote, that sort of thing. So it doesn't work But if work you poll, you just have to sample more of that crazy, you know. But, but here's what we know about the undecided. Their relationship to voting is my relationship to golf. I which c- is? Which is, I can name you one golfer. Is it Tiger? Of course it is. And it's both a combination. I can remember his name. Arnold Palmer? Okay. I can name you one active golfer <laughs> okay, at a okay. time. <laughs> and and back, in, back in Arnold Palmer's day. Right. I only uh, know it because the beverage. Back in Arnold Palmer's day where everyone when I knew called him Arnold Palmer. 
Um, I could only name one. Okay. And so, in other words, I don't give a fuck about it. Right. Nothing can make me care about golf. doesn't right. matter what you do. Right. But I will know about it if Tiger or Arnold Palmer wins whatever the biggest golf thing is in the world, because then they'll make a giant a headline big, about right, it. Right, okay? right, right. So if you think about presidential politics that way, the, the undecided voter who actually shows up to vote has thought about these two people for normally less than a week. And, then, and it's the final week. So they just okay? feel guilty about not voting. Girl, I got to decide something. No, 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 something. no. no. They, it's not guilty. It's like, I don't feel guilty about knowing you right. know, who won the golf thing. It's I just don't give that much of a fuck about it. And if my dry cleaning pickup gets in the way, I might not vote. You know, that, yeah. so, so, so they have that, which means they consume during the year and during all of our coverage, none of none it. None of it. None of it. We have research that indicates the, the non-voter and the undecided voter who decides very late has done the following throughout their lives, religiously never read an article about politics, never read an editorial about politics, never watched MSNBC or Fox News ever for any reason ever. And you got to remember the universe we're dealing with is quite tiny. Okay. On a great night, you know, uh, Rachel now and we we our ratings have exploded. They've more okay. than they've more than doubled. Okay. So so think about how tiny this audience used to yeah, be before yeah. the era of Trump. But right now, you know, Rachel will get three and a half million people. Okay. That's a nice number. That, it's that's, more than my podcast. That's listeners. the highest number that MSNBC's ever gotten. Okay. okay. How long has MSNBC been around? Since nineteen ninety six. Okay. And I was on the first hour of the first day. I'm the longest running. Oh, wow. Longest running man in makeup at MSNBC. Man in makeup. That's the title of my autobiography. That's do not hot. do not oh, I do might. not steal I it. I might. Do not. Don't touch it and don't tell anyone. Do you? Sorry, um, go ahead. Go ahead. I want so, to ask you. So <clears> it's <throat> a tiny, you know, we're dealing at our maximum, we tend to be dealing with an audience that's just about 1% of the population. So, you know, 90% of America religiously avoids everything I do all the time. And so... Um, and does that bother you? Not in the least. Because well, shouldn't it bother you a bit and say, I want to reach more people? I want to pull I, them away from Real Housewives of Atlanta and get well, them to, to, sure, to hear. Sure, I'd like I'd like to reach more people, but I prize my hen- my mental health more. Okay, you know, fair enough. So fair my enough. mental health says to me, this is the way it is. This is the number of people who are in- interested. And if I run the Golf Channel and I say, this is how many people are watching, I don't sit around thinking, how do I get people from the Tennis Channel? You're not going to get oh, them. Fuck the people they from don't, the Tennis they, Channel. They're, not, you're ne- they're never coming. They yeah. don't care about no, you. No, they with good reason. Right. Do you think people in Europe? Because I look. First of all, I'm mourning mourning the departure of Angela Merkel because I liked her. She's not departing. Well, I just feel well, like she's kind of, her you time, know. Yeah. D- she's you announced know. She's announced a she's, sort of time limit. Yeah, I'm probably going to write yeah. a memoir or go to Boca. Um, people in Europe, I don't, do they have an equivalent of uh, of a, a 24-hour news cycle kind of like CNN, MSNBC? Do they have an equivalent of that? Or if not, do you find them more uh, well-informed about their political situation? Uh, well, I, I, that would mean I'd have to talk to them when I'm there. Okay, right. You, you don't. Know. You just. You kind of stay right, isolated. Well, just go to your that. hotel and have um, your system well, drive you around. They don't have. They don't have our kind of stuff. I mean, by the way, they do the carry, constant feed. But they, but in Europe, they they a lot of a lot of systems do carry uh, CNN and MSNBC. CNN has an international version that they tend to right. run over there. With we don't. weird anchors. I've we, seen we, it. We don't. We have just the one version. Okay. You know that show that shows over there. Uh, but they they have not imitated uh, what we're doing exactly. What we're doing is expensive. You know so. 
you know, it, what MSNBC, what CNN is doing, what Fox News is doing is, is a pretty expensive way to go. And so what you'll see uh, in Europe is a, is a much cheaper version of it. They would never attempt to fill 24 hours uh, with new material in, yeah, in, in, I mean, that's in, in, in most of those hours. Uh, but, you know, if you look at, if you look at, you know BBC's uh, news channels. They're they're. I like them. They're just not as glossy. You know the Brits a, always look a little too. They're kind of you know, not. They're they're they're, 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 they're calmer, and which yeah. I, which is a good thing. They're I calmer. I, they're just on Vicodin. I, I can't tell. I and I like them. I like them a lot. But I, they, but yeah. they are calmer, and they feel they feel a little less addictive, possibly because right. of that. Well, it feels yeah. a little drier, right? Drier. Like the graphics are like even like reading the Economist. You know, not enough picture. I read the Economist one about once a year because it just it's so you know what I mean. There's not enough pictures. The mm-hmm. font's small. It's very informative. It's so informative it scares me. I feel mm-hmm. like you know what I mean. It would. Do you feel with particularly MSNBC because I'm not as familiar? I have to be honest with you. I don't really watch. I don't watch Fox either. Do you know what I mean? I'm just. Do you feel? See, I, you're one of the people I'm talking. You're a normal. In other words, I'm normal. You, you could put it this way: you're a normal person. You're yeah. a normal American. Well, I try to live my life, and I'm trying to uh, use my moral compass or what resonates with me. Like I said, I'm more of an emotional than a. I don't understand the minutia of, of taxation. I know what affects me directly. I, I'm all for love, not hate. I, I, it, it pains me the situation our country is in. It's just dark. It's it's really dark, and uh, you know, my family's all been NR. It's, it's been uh, it's been DACA. What has it was been? It can be darker. I mean, the bubonic plague was pretty dark. No, no it, but was, it was DACA when I was in high school. It was DACA. Was it? it was DACA when I was in college. My friends were dying in a war in Vietnam. Okay, they okay. were drafted to go fight the war in right. Vietnam that yeah. they didn't want to fight. Okay, 1968, 16 over sixteen thousand uh, American families uh, had military funerals. Uh, for well, I mean, someone, like there's World War II. I mean, God knows someone, there have been darker times on a global scale. Well, but I, you know, but there's a way. But in World War II. The United States of America believed that uh, over ninety percent uh, that it and we were engaged in a noble undertaking. That was not believed in 1968 with Vietnam and 1970, 1972, right? right? right. So that was the that was a very different thing. It was very dark, and we had bombings all the time in this country. It was routine. We had hundreds of them. Post offices were being bombed at midnight all the time, unoccupied. Federal buildings were being bombed by radical uh, students who were protesting mm-hmm. the war. Mm-hmm. They were finding all these ways of protest that now would would create a panic, you know, in all fifty states. If the post office in Duluth, you know, right. ha- had a firecracker go off, uh, we'd we'd suddenly. Well, we're all kind of yeah. I mean, look, but part of that is also the uh, like it's all connected to the I don't want to say sensationalism, but that need to. To, I mean, what was it? Michael Moore talked about it back in the day of creating fear to keep the news cycle going or panic. You know what I mean? It's all that. Yeah, it's like oh, new new car seat can kill your kid if you you know they're looking yeah, for yeah. things to fill right. the cycle. Which again, I don't know why we're addicted to. It's a bigger question, but we're addicted to feeling the fear. Maybe it makes us feel more alive. Maybe it makes our mortality. Maybe it brings us together. Right? Fear brings people together. Same as war sadly brings people together or not. You talk about Vietnam. It, you know, people did protest it, but overall, when there's like that common enemy, right, that's tribalism, right? Common enemy brings us together. We feel more empowered because we're all fighting the same evil, all these weird evil, you know, I even don't like that word evil. I don't know what that means. It feels like it's it's kind of diminishing the, the complexity of where we're at. But when I say darker, I think it's qualitatively different than what you're talking about. I'm not talking about, um, obviously, there were world wars and there's tragedy of one person dying in a, in a stabbing or... The eleven people, you know what I mean? Look, the people that were that were killed now in Pittsburgh, some of them one was ninety-seven. Mm-hmm. 
but sadly, these are Holocaust survivor. That's you know that. So that's the tragedy of it. So I think it's when it's internal. Uh, when it's internal, internal, and and look, I, I talk about this all the time. I talk about this with Kurt Anderson too. America, we're such a big fucking country. It's hard to feel community. We're huge and we're so diverse. And now I think people are afraid of that, right? Because they're like, well, no, if we're that diverse, how are we supposed to feel connected? It's fucking hard. And you're trying to, you know, wrap yourself around ideals and values. But if you don't share those, then we have nothing. Mm-hmm. Then we might as well be 50 different countries, right? I mean, that's kind of what it feels like. Maybe that's a solution. I don't know. Well, it's Europe's solution. Yeah, you know, it no, is. You're right. Europe, Europe never thought there should be a landmass this big that should be one country. Absolutely. I agree. Right? Yeah. And so, you know, it, it may well, you know, Belgium seems like a pretty good idea. You know, well, too boring. I mean, when, chocolate's when, all they got going when for. When you're in Luxembourg, you know you're in a different place from Belgium and mm-hmm. a different place from France, and and those and those feel kind of important that they stay that way. Uh, and and you know, uh, Wales is actually a different place from England. Scotland's a very different place from England. I mean, they have their it, own problems, even right? though they're under their own so-called United Kingdom umbrella. Uh, but you know, we um, we had a civil war here where a collection of states said, we don't want to be in this anymore. And, they, and, and we went to war over that. And the losers of that war now control the way the federal government works. Now, I got to say, you know, if, you, if you have a civil war, if you're a state that says, I want to kill people in order to get out of the United States, and you do, and the United States chooses to kill more of you instead to keep you. Mm-hmm. When the United States keeps you, here's something they might want to consider next time. Um, hey, uh, Alabama, because you did this, you don't get any more electoral votes. Or you get one less. Right. They didn't, they didn't lose. The Confederacy did not lose one electoral vote after going to war. With the United States of America. And you think that's carried over till today, people's mindset in the South today. And remember, the Electoral College was constructed so that those states would feel better represented in our electoral process. Uh, And so, but but I raise all that simply to say that we, we pretend the Civil War was a thing that came and went and was done with. It was not done with. And it goes to that question, that issue that you raised about just how cohesive is this country and is it approaching a level of uh, that, that Europe has lived with in an extremely civilized way since World War II of recognizing uh, that it actually isn't. A, a single coherent country, that it doesn't function as a single coherent Or building country. a country around values or ideals or the notion of what you're, you know, as opposed to, I don't think France, just, yeah. I mean, just territorial interests. I mean, for example, you know, France does not have desert, right? It doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 there are things it doesn't have. The United States, we have issues in America that are uniquely desert management issues. Desert management issues are not of interest to anyone in Massachusetts or New York. Uh, so okay? Especially not Dorchester. None, yeah. right? They are in California, in Nevada, in Utah. And, you know, and, and so, I mean, I, I remember when I was working in the United States Senate, and I'd find myself in, in, these, in places like Arizona and 
at, at, a, at a real distance from Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And having been there all week working on, you know, Washington, D.C.'s view of the country uh, and, and just think about how there's, there, there is absolutely zero concern uh, in Washington, D.C. for the issues that I'm seeing out here. You know, and whether that be uh, an Indian reservation in North Dakota or uh, or other things, there's some. You know, when you look at the the giant landmass countries of the world, in which ours is not at the top. You know, mm-hmm. you look at China, yep. uh, and you look at Russia. Well, they had to go commie to control that, right? You look at well, that's a good point. You look at Russia and you know what used to be the Soviet Union. Um, they are the the most dysfunctional societies in terms of cohesion of any in the world. Look at Brazil now. Look at what happened yeah, in Brazil. It's another one. So it's another like who they're elected. You know, is it just a trend? Is it a trend? People, you know, every time people we like to think that something new's happening, and then people go, no, 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 um, shit's been happening for years. You know, it's yeah. not as dark as you said. Like right. we think it's dark now. You're not that special. It's been darker, or right. we've had times where we've had you know this this you know, prevalence of evil or people talk about the rise of, of extremist Islam and, and the, you know, how that's transforming the world or is that just cyclical and that's just what, and it's happened before and, you know, it's been around since the beginning of time and we'd like to think we're different, but no, it's just, we're all, we're, we're animals. At the end of the day, we're animals. We come from a very primal fight or flight. You know, some of us are more evolved and some of us stay in that state. And whether it be because mommy and daddy abused you or just that you're, you know what I mean? You have nothing to connect to or you're grasping for straws or trying to find meaning, the result ends up being pretty shitty no matter no matter what, except Bhutan, where they have a happiness survey. You know, they're, they do. They're, they're like the happiness capital of the world, and there's actually a happiness survey because the, the leader of Bhutan is concerned everybody's happy. But, of course, if you're in Bhutan and you're hanging on a Buddhist monastery, of course it's easy to be happy, right? But I think you're talking about this, the desert not being of interest. A lot of people feel alienated because they feel like the people in power were not interested in their particular problem. It could be desert management. It could be uh, opioid addiction. It could be uh, civil rights, whatever it is, right? People are not feeling like they're being seen. And then we're a bunch of kids that are not being seen by mommy and daddy. And we just, it's all going around. When your leader feels like he's not being seen, you're in trouble. Because if you have the leader who feels like he's being seen, he can take care. It's like a school teacher who's secretly shooting up smack in the court. You know, can't take care of the kids, right? <laughs> right. Or fucking the janitor in the closet, which right. I was witness to. So if you have the leader who's like, oh, shit, he's the child. We got to be the grown-ups. Because we need a leader because we're all children needing a leader. We all need that school teacher. And we don't have the school teacher on, you know, on campus right now. We feel lost and scared. And I got to tell you, I'm overwhelmed by these midterm elect. I don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm trying, you know what I mean? I'm trying to get my information. It's all very confusing. I read the New York Times, which also frustrates me. I got to be honest with you. It also frustrates me a little bit because I feel like even them, they're getting a little too political for my taste in a way. Do you know what I mean? They're picking and choosing their articles. I'm like, God damn it. Where can I read an article that doesn't hate Trump or love Trump? Where do I find that? Psychology Today? Do you know what I mean? I want a scientific journal equivalent of my news source. Where well, is that? I, you know, I, I would say if you were to read the book uh, that was written by the 23 psychiatrists who talk about what they see in Donald Trump, they are psychiatrists. They're medical professionals. They don't hate him. They're just saying this, this is, is the situation. Th- this is what we see. Right. So they don't hate their patients. They're saying this is what we see. We've seen this before. This leads to this. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, interestingly, it's one of the most dispassionate things I've seen written about Trump, and it's extremely clinical, uh, and it's all deeply worrying. 
Well, I think it's worrying, but I'm talking about just my, on my daily news cycle. It's like every politician has an agenda, and I don't know, and my trust is at zero now. Not because of the be. media, well, but just the, because, well, you know. Well, it should be. You're supposed to, you're well, supposed the good to have guys, zero. you know? Well, you know, uh, look, I mean, trust is the most abused public concept in America. Well, in general, right? Yeah, humans, trust in, for in humans. In general, trust should be the hardest possible thing uh, for for you to give t- in any direction, you know whether yeah. it, whether it be you know someone you're dating, it should be the very last thing. I know. You know that, that tell you, me you have herpes six months in. What the fuck go. is that? There Sorry, that go. came out. That there came out. Go. That was my last that's what relationship. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and so um, the idea that like you're supposed to be able to turn on a TV set and find a person in there who you trust more uh, than your husband or you know other people. It, Closer to you is crazy. You 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 are not going to be absolved of doing, doing the work of doing the work of doing the ah, job of enough. finding your where the truth is in this world. And it's not Kanye. It, I don't think it is. You know what I mean? I, I've I've listened to a little bit of what he's had to say, and I haven't found any of it convincing. It might be just me. I, 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 don't, I don't know. know. That's, I mean, yeah. now he's taking a break from that too, right? He said, "I'm I'm retreating for a while." From the political so arena. So here, here are two words that I have never, ever said on my TV show. More and my, beer. And oh, my sorry. current okay. plan mm-hmm. is to never say them. And okay. those two words are Kanye and West. Okay. I, I ha- and by the way. So avo- not talking about California a- Avoidance then. of the word West is, is more is difficult. Tricky. It's yeah. It's yeah, more yeah, difficult. Yeah. But I have blocked them both out okay. of my TV show. That's so good. Like, I think that's smart. So when he was in the Oval Office, I never... You didn't it. cover it. Never, never said Because you felt it. like it was just so so nonsensical, there's no point. Yes. It was utterly inane. You have a different standard, which I like. Yeah. I, I mean, I, there are I other outlets for that. Therefore, I, I won't be talking about whatever his latest thing is. What do you think about Facebook's responsibility? Is there responsibility towards curbing uh, insightful language or fake, you know, all that stuff? Uh, do you think it's Mark Zuckerberg's responsibility or is it, it's our fucking problem? Like we're part of this. It's our, like, do you think he has a moral responsibility or is it just unfortunate that he's not taking a larger, a larger role and more active role and kind of. Well, you know, of course, everyone in the world has a moral responsibility in everything that they do. And so you, you can feel pretty relaxed about that at, at many points in your day, you know, that you don't feel, you know, a, a heavy moral responsibility in choosing which ice cream flavor you're going to order. Except rum raisin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> and, and, and so, of course, if you, if you create a company, if you do whatever it does, you have to be ready for moral implications to what you're doing that you hadn't thought about it. They are unanticipated consequences. You have to be ready for that. And it could have felt like, and surely did, you know, when he was at Harvard and when he was creating this thing that he was going to call Facebook, which which was a pre-existing thing at Harvard right. before he got mm-hmm. there. Um, when he was doing that, I, I, I'm sure it didn't feel like there was going to be the slightest moral uh, element in it, uh, but it's everywhere. I mean, let me give you the easiest example of it in commercialism for me, and then because uh, uh, it's it's quite obvious, and most people never see it. Um, I could possibly be sitting here as a real rich kid who inherited serious money from my fucking old man if my old man had invested in the liquor store that he was invited <laughs> to invest in in my neighborhood in Dorchester when I was a little kid. Right. Uh, if he could have put five grand into that liquor store, and oh, by the way, at that particular moment, he had the five grand. If he could have put five grand into that liquor store instead of buying a car with the five grand, which is what right, he did, right? Uh, I would be 
something approaching a billionaire today. Okay. Wow. Because it's even more attractive than before, Lawrence. Because it's a fucking liquor store in Boston. Right. Okay. So, so, (laughs) but he didn't. Okay. Mm -hmm. And here's why he didn't. Because he said to me when I was 10 years old and this was sitting in front of him, he said to me, uh, that's blood money. Right. I could never take any money from alcohol. That's blood money. Now, oh, well, I love now, that about him. Now, over 90% or 99% of Americans do not think that, and that thought has never crossed their minds, even among, possibly among people who have watched people die. Die, die from alcoholism. I have, okay? So I've seen that. So I could never, ever profit a penny from anything in the alcohol industry. Now, plenty of people do. And Hollywood stars have their liquor brands, and they do ads yeah, George for it Clooney. And all of that. And they, I assume, I have to assume, have never felt a moral inhibition about that. It's not legal. It's moral. Your moral codes has to, has to come in and say to you, I'm not going to participate in that. And so, same thing with tobacco, by the way. I would never, you know, right. profit a nickel from tobacco. And, and so... Um, the, the Zuckerberg thing is a step removed from that, where, where, and the Facebook thing's a step removed from that. It's like, I'm going to make people uh, able to communicate more freely and easily, and someone in Alabama can talk to someone in Alaska. At a certain point, at a certain point, you're going to have to be concerned about what the person in Alabama is saying. Now, Alexander Graham Bell never worried about that. Right. No one ever said there's a moral issue yeah. in hooking up phone lines between Alabama and Alaska because some Klansman in Alabama wants to talk might to the Klansman a, in Alaska. Might, right. might, well, might have a disturbingly convincing conversation with right. an Alaska fisherman who was otherwise okay right. before he got that phone Undecided. call. Undecided. Well, the telephone, it turns out, as a piece of technology, didn't really run that risk because the guy in Alabama couldn't afford to call Alaska, okay? Then comes the internet and Facebook, and the guy in Alabama doesn't even know that the fisherman in Alaska is starting to read his hate and his madness. And the only reason they're able to do that is thanks to Mark Zuckerberg. At some point, Mark Zuckerberg has to say, I've got a, I've got a moral interest here. I've got a moral imperative. Um, there's something I have to do. And at some point, the Mark Zuckerbergs have to say, I have enough money, which, by the way... I none, think he does. No, you know, the, but no one, no one in the history of billionaires has ever said, I have enough money. Right. Billionaires are usually the cheapest people, I mean, aren't they? We, we've had yeah, ex- that's how they got to be billionaires. You know, they've never said that. I mean, there's two guys who have, which is Bill Gates and Warren, uh, Warren Buffett, and that's hugely admirable what they've done. They're all and, big and philanthropists, right? And they're right. very yeah. active in the business of giving it away. Right. Okay? They are not actively uh, you know, trying to pull in you know, billions more. I mean, Buffett is. He's an investor. But, uh, but so Zuckerberg... You know, the reason you don't do these things is it's going to hurt your business. Hurt your business means reduce your income. There's a day, there comes a day, if you're Zuckerberg, where you have to be willing to reduce your income. Because if you reduce it to zero, you're going to be left with billions. Right. If your income goes to zero, what am I left with? Billions. Well, Mm. look, I think, Lawrence, I have a couple of thoughts on that. I think with the with the liquor store analogy, I actually think that that's that's more removed than than Mark Zuckerberg in a way. Where I think that people usually um, act with things that resonate or have touched them personally, right? Like you see someone donating four hundred million dollars to cancer research, usually because someone that they know 
you know, died for cancer. They mm-hmm. don't usually spontaneously donate to some specific to Legionnaire's disease research mm-hmm. unless someone they died. So I think that that's human nature that if, if it touches you personally, suddenly you're more invested in that in that cause. I think a lot of people that like a glass of wine at dinner, you know what I mean, think that what about all the people that like it or there's a couple studies that say they're good for your heart. So it's not like tobacco, I think, is a little clear because that really there is no perk to that. I mean, guns. Ammunition? You want to be in the business of selling? No, them? I'm not talking. About, I'm just saying in general. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't think any of that's good. Do you want to reap investment? I do not profit from no. guns and ammunition. Personally, not. I, I think don't. that the, the argument that I don't necessarily agree with, but of like, well, it's not my decision, right? We're adults. Uh, you know what I mean? And if they want to, they right. have a right to, right? right? I'm putting it out there. If you want to buy a bottle of wine or 14 of them and you're going to kill yourself, that's your problem, which is sad. That's a sad state of society, right. right? That's a very, and you're a socialist. So obviously you're thinking more about the community and the greater good and welfare. And that's a whole other thing. With Zuckerberg, it's the same. And maybe I can't tell if it's bullshit. I, obviously there's money involved and I get it, even though he looks like he just wears a hoodie to work every day and probably drives, you know, like what? city bike but with it's Mark, like a tech is like la that way we're in la the wealthier people dressed in, down in la the richest guy in the room is in a t-shirt in a flip-flop and that was established i think i think la fashion history might have to pinpoint that to david Geffen. right oh interesting yeah who, okay. who like i think was the very first hugely rich adult in, in la who it was a t-shirt that's funny. you know but um, i think with mark zuckerberg with facebook it's yeah, I think that it's he's saying, well, you know, then I have to kind of I have to decide on everything. Like what is offensive and yeah, what should do. I stop and yeah, what's a do. slippery slope? And I don't know if I want him specifically, but I want maybe a panel of people or I want I want there to be more thought put into it. I don't want one guy what to are, be deciding. Any, anything's better than zero guys. Yeah, exactly. And it's been exactly. zero guys. But I think it needs to be more nuanced than that as opposed to, yeah, hate speech, obviously hate or insightful. What did he say with the bullshit with the Holocaust that he didn't want to they were Holocaust deniers, and they go, "Well, that's." He said something like, "That's legitimate, right?" He said something stupid. I don't stu- know. I don't know exactly what he said about. But you that. remember that, right? You remember that? That one was like, "Mark, really? You're so smart. Now you're playing dumb." And I don't like when people play dumb. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know they he has do, kind of that goofy face. They like, do play dumb, and the Twitter guy plays dumb too. Um, yeah, I don't know too know, much about that. I don't tweet. Jack, I don't know. Uh, Do- is that Dorsey? I don't know. Is he another Irishman? Jack. I know it's Jack. His Twitter handle is Jack. That's it. No, for Jack, one word, fucking yeah. pretentious what's fuck. Cooler, so what if you started what's, it? What's cooler than one word Twitter handles? Is there a joke? Is this a riddle? I don't know. Have I mentioned my Twitter handle? Do you have? What is it? It's at Lawrence. Yeah, it's like share. <laughs> it's like share. It's I don't one tweet. Word. I barely it's, put shit know, on Instagram, yeah. and it's just pictures of like the beach I get on Google, on Google I'm images. I'm not really on Instagram. I'm, okay. Do you have kids? That's a very personal question. To How which, is that a personal? It's which, just a biological question. To which the answer... I could say it's technically no because you you you, you made it plural. Oh boy, you have <laughs> yes, a child. I do. You have an offspring. I have an offspring. Boy or girl? Is a man or woman at this point? So here's the thing. I you stopped, won't talk about your kids either. I, the reason, but I'll tell you okay. why. I stopped talking about. I used to make reference uh, once in a while, mm-hmm. even in a public policy discussion in the 1990s. Okay. Involving education, say right when right. that was a very. But that was important immediate, to people. Immediate concern to me, you know, having a <laughs> right. first grader or something, right? And I would say things like, well, you know, first grade teacher at Boa right, is right, doing right. a better job with my, you know, than, than any, any yeah. homeschooler can, blah, 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 whatever, right? I'd be making a policy point about it with education. I stopped making any reference to uh, being related to anyone um, when, when, my, when my death threats... I'd say somewhere in the 1990s got to the point 
where I didn't care about them at all and I didn't take them seriously. But I thought, okay. You said death threats? Death threats, Plural? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Was this out of one event? Like no, you one get them misstep? all the time. You get them all the time. Do you say a lot of controversial shit? doesn't matter. You get them all the time. Okay. And okay. My, I've gotten them all the time. I never took them seriously ever. There was never one that was like, we're at your house. No. Okay. Uh, but I just thought, you know what? There's, a, there's now literally millions of people who hate me. Millions of people. Well, that's exciting, people. Yeah, though. It is. No, it's real. I, it's, but it's real. Because it means right? people are interested in what you're saying. Right. Millions of people hate me. 99.9% mm -hmm. of them would be nice to me if they met me and they hate me. Okay. Why? Because it's the American well, way? It, it's easier. It's, it's, as you've found, it's easier to hate me when I'm not in the room with you. Well, you I know? liked you before. Yeah, okay. So this was not um, a stretch for me. I so thought you were delightful. What I have found always is that when I meet people who are politically opposed to every single thing I say, right. like, once we're into the 30th second, all of the- Well, you're too human. All of the negative stuff. Yeah, it's too human beings. It's fine, right? But but there's enough nuts out there like the guy who went into the synagogue and stuff. Right. In, in the millions- I think nuts of, giving him an excuse, yeah, by the way. Yeah, I mean, when, when, the, when thousands of people hated me, it was one thing. But when I got to the point where millions of people hate me, um, I just thought- I don't want anyone else exposed to that hatred. Got it. Got and it. It doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't necessarily mean that anyone I'm related to would be attacked. But for example, no, you're um, protective. But That's for good. For example, um, you know, one of my offspring. Of, oh, of, there's of, more than one. No, of which there's only one. Oh, okay. As a child, you know, went into a home uh, of a friend and saw. This um, picture uh, of me with um, one of those crosshairs, one of those crosshair targets. Oh my thing. god! So it turns out, you know, a okay, picture like they framed. They took the time to frame on, it and shit on, on the refrigerator, along with other fun stuff. Okay, and whereupon I discovered, I guess they're Republicans. And by the way, this was in the 1990s. Okay. This was long before it wow. became- Wow, before like, MSNBC. Yeah. No, MSNBC was running and that's why they hated me. But I was just- oh, a, they didn't I was, like the West Wing. I was just a pundit. <laughs> I was just a pundit. I was right. not I was not a host of a show. You were but, doing so, Keith, so Keith at, Olbermann show or something? So yeah. So at that point, I believed, you know, hundreds of thousands of people hated me, which was a manageable- Well, you're a refrigerator magnet. Yeah, it was a manageable number. And, and, and so I, when I- Saw that. I, I just went, oh, okay. I, I don't want- Yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't want to expose yourself. Yeah. It would okay. be great. It would be great for people related to me to be able to go through their day um, without anyone knowing that about them. Right. That they're Well, they'd have to, to change me. their name probably, and right? The, and the younger they are, the better. You know, like nieces, nephews, and right. all that. Like okay. The younger they right. are, the better. And you know what? I don't give a fuck uh, about your family. I'm not asking questions about them. They will stay protected. That's what, what I meant. What, what family? There we go. Yeah, exactly. You're a lone wolf um, living in a bubble. You're the mm -hmm. bubble boy. No, I, I I totally understand that. I'm very protective of my kids, except um, when I need to use them as like a, a body shield. You know what I mean? Yeah. When I walk in the streets, they, they surround me. Mm -hmm. I just want to stay protected because mm -hmm. I have people that hate me too mm -hmm. and people that love me too much. I find love scarier than hate. But you know those, I have those morning issues, shows, so. you know, where part of the job as a, like a- Is being provocative? Is, is, no, part of the job of the morning show host you know, is that they talk about their kids and what we're doing, for, and they name oh. them by name and all no, that that's stuff. That's crazy, Tim. And I, no, but I, but I just think, well, isn't that nice? They live in that environment where they can do that, and they can, they, their kids can become characters in their public lives. Uh, I, I, by the way, think it's horrible because I don't think I, I think don't kids think should have a choice. I don't think any touch of fame in a child's life is a, is a is good a, thing. Is a is a positive thing. I mean, look at Judy um, Garland. Yeah. I mean, I just think 
it, fame is an unnatural and peculiar thing. And I, I just like child development where you're going by basically, you know, the stuff that we, we think is the safest. We don't know what the smartest is. But, right. You're but just doing we, our best to not fuck yeah, them up. But yeah, that's the idea. Like, get the, just get out of the way and, and let them have – I mean, I, you know, I liked, my, I liked my childhood. I liked a lot about it. And so if you liked your childhood, that's the thing you try to – You want to replicate. Yeah, you try to duplicate that as I much as I wonder if, like, can. Matt Damon's kids are in public school in Massachusetts and nobody I, knows they're Matt Damon's kids. I, I for a time, um, had an offspring in public school. See, that's good. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Look, I think public schools, like, hey, you change their name and you have somebody else pick them up so you don't, yeah. they don't know you're related. Right. And they live a normal life right. until they have the crosshair magnets come right. in the mail. Right. Like their bulk order. Right. It was, it was one of the parents in that public school. Can actually, you, can that, I ask? It <laughs> had that Fuck thing. me. Yeah. I'm going to stop. Let me rewind here. I do have to pee. Can I take a minute to pee? Can I take a minute to pee, Lawrence? I have. I've been holding it in for 45 minutes. I have things to say about that that I'm, I'm going to. Not All right, say. we'll talk about uh, prostate I'm not gonna, and I'm bladder. Not comment. I'm going to hold on. It's pause. your show. I'm going to pee. I've now, what happens to the sound when you're peeing? Uh, like, what to the uh, and and do I just keep the show going? Yeah, you can keep talking. You keep talking. I can keep talking. I'm not sure how. I, I wonder how different it will be to be sitting here alone talking um, while the host of the show has left the room and is peeing. Maybe now is when I should discuss all the things that I don't want to discuss with her. Maybe, maybe I could do that. Um, nah, I probably won't. Um, I don't know how to do this because there's no teleprompter here. And so an aging anchor man is nothing without a teleprompter and can't really, there's nothing I could keep talking about. And we're already long into this thing. I've used all my best material. I suppose I could do more Boston accent stuff. I could actually tell the story about, <laughs> about the Boston accent in France and how it, how it, it was so great because I was walking along with, um, so I guess I did. I am back. Oh, I guess I did talk and fill the entire urinary space. I, I'm a very quick um, peer. Men are amazed. If I go on a date with a man, then, uh, then I so usually here's, keep uh, okay, I guess here's the Boston accent in France story. Please. Because it's now, when you leave and you leave an anchorman in place, I it, know, becomes, you're just going into it zone. becomes my show. Can okay. I be on your show? Yeah, you can be on my show. Oh, good. You yeah. think the fans would like me? I think I'd be in, like, ooh, there's Let a southern intellectual. Way. Let me put it this way. A minimum of once a month, I make a decision. That where, where the decision is basically, I don't care how much this guest crashes our ratings. I'm going to do oh, it. Oh, really? I'm, I'm going I will, to do I will it. elevate your and ratings. I, and I do it once Lawrence. a month, okay? I take that risk once a month. If you if you uh, met a lovely lady, uh, let's say in her in her 40s, maybe 50, I don't know, you men, you like the young ones, but let's put her in her 50s just to make the 50-year-old women feel fucking good that life starts in your 50s. And she had a very can, strong Boston accent. Would we you? can pretend whatever you want. Oh, see, that's yeah. really fucking annoying, I got to tell you. It's amazing, <laughs> though. It's just the, the way the world fucking works. You know, I'd like to see more women in their 60s dating men in their 30s that don't have money. You know what I mean? Well, or have women in their, say it again? Women what? in their 60s dating men in their 30s. Who don't have money. The women don't have money. So it's not a sugar mommy oh. situation. Oh. I'd like to see well, that. Well, I do know a woman in her 60s. I know a couple of women in their 60s who date guys in their 30s. And and, and is it mommy issues or no? no they just, they actually, no, it's a nice relationship. No, I mean, a couple of things. Uh, you know, they're they're great women. Of course they one. are. Um, and, you know, and, and, and I've heard actually from both of them that they tend to get hit on 
by 35-year-old guys. Are they stunning? Are they like Sharon Stones, though? Are they they, stunning? And they tend to be ignored by guys their age. Well, because guys their age are looking to validate their masculinity and date younger women. That's the midlife to end life crisis, Mm -hmm. is it not? I don't know. I'm sorry. I I date all ages. You know, we've entered the zone here where I'm now a pundit, meaning I'm out of my expertise. I'm I'm not- You're an ideologue. I'm out of my expertise. Okay. What do you, I had a neuroscientist in here last week, a brilliant guy, and he said something very interesting. I want to hear your thoughts on this. He said that what people should be asking about candidates is their views on AI and the ethical ramifications of AI, because that's not being talked about enough, because mm-hmm. uh, we're still in the infancy of the self-driving car. I still don't know if the, if the self-driving car should protect the pedestrian or the passenger. What do you think? This reminds me of uh, 1994 when uh, Penn told me uh, that these political candidates should be talking about the internet. I didn't know what he was talking about. Well, it was very prescient. prescient. I I did not know what he was talking about because I was working in the United States Senate at the time where our email system, the United States Senate email system, only communicated with the the United States Senate. So I had literally, I had never seen um, what's out there, right? And so... So I didn't really know what the internet, I, and I just thought, oh, this is a typical, you know, citizen who has a hobby horse who doesn't understand that we're dealing with <laughs> He's this. He's a magician. We're dealing right. with this stuff. And oh, by the way, there's a very important thing about government. Government's always behind the times. Yeah. And, and there's ways in which that's good. Uh, ways in which it's bad. Well, you know, when it comes to legislation. With, with the, and, with the yeah. space program and going to the moon, that's government ahead of the times. Uh, but most of the time, government is trying to catch up with what you, the people, Let's and, educate the, and, first the, graders. and the yeah. advancing culture and ex- the exploding ingenuity of inventors, uh, we're trying to catch up with them most of the time in government. Right. right? So, uh, so here's the way when I left government – uh, Penn tells me I now have to get an email address, so I get an AOL email address, of course, because it was like the only mm-hmm. one at the time. And I don't really get – I get email, and I and I understand that now I'm going to be able to send email to my friends outside of the Senate. And, oh, by the way, I apparently – at that point, we were just about breaking through to the point where I would be able to send email to people in the Senate. Okay, So I'm out, and I'm living in L.A., and I'm, I'm out there in the world. And now it's time for me to understand the internet, like how this the stuff that's going that's out there that is an email, and and I go ah you know so I'm in one of these idiot discussions and, and Penn says uh, just type in sex.com, <laughs> which I do. Penn's a kinky guy, which by I, the which, way. Which I do. he says just type in sex.com right. and you'll understand the internet. And by and I did and I do. I, you do still meaning okay. meaning I typed in sex.com and, you, it, and it, now it, I understand the internet. I love for a man like for women it would be whatever you know psychology.net. Well, I mean let's remember this is like, like this is like the, this is like the mid 90s there yeah. weren't that many choices. And and right, you know right. and so but all I've heard about are Pendulette sex parties which I've never was invited to but that's a whole other story. I don't know that I don't know that I I'm not sure I've heard of him having sex parties. Oh really? Well. Well, let me put it this way hosting sex parties. Oh, okay, okay. Well, there you go. That's good, that's a good... But do you think... Uh, Penn, by the way, is immune. He's he's handled he's handled any future sex scandal brilliantly. But I don't I, think it's a scandal. That's the no, American period. Period. You know what I mean? It's so like, he, I remember him on Bill Maher's politically incorrect show in the original version, which was on Comedy Central. Right. Okay, before ABC. Yeah. And some political sex scandal is out there, right? And they're talking about it, blah, blah, blah. And, and Penn just makes an announcement. He says, I want everybody to know that I have done 
every single thing that any person who's ever been involved in a sex scandal has been accused of doing that isn't criminal. I've done every one of those Take things, for and I want you to know it now. And it was like an immunity shot to- Well, of course, you know, because I don't think it's a big deal. He's right. He's totally right. I think people with sex in this country, it's ridiculous everybody's approach to sex. Like, mm-hmm. it's a scandal. Why does it be a scandal? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like Penn. Um, I want to go back to the uh, whole socialist thing. If you could explain explain that shit to me. I am a European socialist, which means I am for democratically elected governments. Right. Who then implement can, a who socialist? Then, who then feel social responsibility for government intervention in the marketplace to cure the errors and the cruelties of, of capitalism? Ca- of capitalism because. Capitalism has cruelties. Oh, absolutely. And so, and so, every country in the world is what we economists call a mixed economy. They mix different mm-hmm. degrees of right. socialism like and, capital- and capitalism. Yeah, Scandinavia is much more socialistic than we are. It is less socialistic than Cuba. Cuba is a mistake. It's too much. Uh, Scandinavia is running very well. France is more socialistic than us. The United Kingdom is. Canada. Most countries are more socialistic than us. Um, and we have a we have a reasonably good mix right now. And we argue about the marginal increases in that mix. Uh, and so, and I'm in favor of more marginal increases. So you in feel the mix. like communism so you're not a marxist well, communism so to speak. is a different thing from socialism Com- right communism is a dictatorial perversion of socialism okay so socialism would keep the cap the european socialism would keep the capitalistic framework in place where people can do better for themselves yeah the, the but it would redistribute the, the, it the european socialist and socialism by the way begins with capitalism because capitalism pre-existed socialism did it really of course it did Oh, of like course, a free market? Just yeah, came, okay. yeah, the markets were all free and there was nothing. And at a certain point, the government came in and said, well, wait a minute. We've got all these poor people dying in the streets or right. sleeping in the Let's streets. Let's help them out. Is there something we can do about that? And over time, it took government a long time, but, but European governments uh, started to invent public housing. And so we have we had public housing in England, and it took us decades later in the United States uh, to say yes. At a certain point, we're going to have to build public housing because capitalism will not, cannot, and will never provide housing for everyone in a country like this. It so it's the government's response, the elected government's responsibility to provide a minimal life services for their citizens. Yeah, that's that's what socialism ultimately decided. There's a there's a minimum, there's a safety net, a socialistic safety net below which people should not fall. And, and how does most, that affect taxation? That increases taxation on the wealthy or just overall? It, it increases taxation on everyone, and it should. And um, uh, just as, you know, a subway system is dependent on taxation as well as fares, mm-hmm. you know, Medicare, uh, subway system is socialistic because the, the fares that you pay to ride on the subway do not pay for the subway. They pay for a tiny portion of the subway. Interesting. So general tax revenue comes in to pay for the rest of the subway, okay? That's kind of the way Medicare works. When you get onto Medicare, you know, when you're 65 and you, you, you start to pay a small premium for Medicare, but really it's the taxpayer who's paying the real full cost of your Medicare, not you. And, and so we have – and Social Security is the same thing. People pay into Social Security during their work lives and then Social Security pays them out uh, when they retire. But they're not being paid out 
by the money they put in. They're being paid out by the money that the current workers are pu- are putting in. Do you th- do you think the problem with implementing um, European socialism in America is that because the really wealthy would never agree to that? No, the, no. David Geffen is as much a socialist as I am. Well, he's just one, right? Steven Spielberg is. Bill Gates is. Okay. Warren Buffett is. Warren Buffett's a democratic socialist. Uh, so it's not about the wealthy at all. Um, America demonized American politicians, especially Republicans, demonized the word socialism uh, when they were really most afraid of it, which was during the Depression. Because what was the Great Depression in the United States in the 1930s? It was the proof. It was the proof that unbridled capitalism does not work, and left to its own devices, people will literally die that we will leave people dying in the streets of America starving uh, if government doesn't intervene, Franklin Roosevelt becomes president because of the, the, the depression. He intervenes in a massive way. Okay, now, the Republicans and, and, and Democrats, by the, by the way, at the time, feared that America's vulnerability to socialism during the Great Depression was at its most extreme point, and it was. I mean, the Socialist Party had millions of, uh, of, of members at that time. It, it was tiny, but it was right. serious. And you were not considered insane for saying I'm a socialist, certainly not in Manhattan. West side of Manhattan was filled with socialists. Wow. Right, up, right up into the 1960s. And um, and they were not people who wanted to overthrow the country. They were people who wanted to bring real uh, Scandinavian-style socialism to the United States. And so the political order feared it desperately. And what does the American political order do when it fears something? It demonizes it. It says it's evil. It doesn't just say, I have a better idea. It demonizes it. Did it and demonize says it's it also evil. because it was closer in people's minds? It's closer to communism, which of course during the cold, you know what I sure. mean? Closer to Russia. And sure. that's like sure. dictatorial. Sure. Yes. Socialism is yes. not dictatorial. They got, they, yes, that's right. They got carried away with, with the fact that. Because communism doesn't work either. That, yeah. They got carried away with the fact that, that some large, Socialist countries had become dictatorships, and and that terrified them too. And so it became synonymous in their minds because they just weren't paying attention. Well, Lawrence, sadly, we have to uh, wrap this up. I have abstained from asking you about your sex life, about your midlife crisis, about your dating, about past wives, past lives, and many of your non-offspring. But I have found this conversation fascinating. Uh, uh, Lawrence Francis, not Frances, Lawrence Francis O'Donnell Jr. That's it. Uh, you are it. delightful. Uh, thank you so much for coming. Uh, and let's let's have dinner. We shall do. Okay, good. Sounds good. Thank you.